Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. In his first epistle, the Apostle John talks very much about love. Chapter 4 particularly places a strong emphasis on love. But if we examine John's presentation of this most visible virtue of the divine birth, we realize that the love spoken of in this book is not a vague or general love, nor is it a natural love, a love that finds its source in the human heart. It is the love that flows from the divine source, from God himself. In verse 8 of chapter 4, John puts it this way, He who does not love has not known God because God is love. Ron Kangas is here for this, I hope, delightful fellowship. It strikes me that way, Ron, as I uh, look at this portion. I expect it will be delightful because it's in God who is love. Uh, I appreciated one of the main points in your opening fellowship. I'd like to underscore this for our listeners, and that concerns what love is, what kind of love we're talking about, because as soon as you hear the word love, you may go into gear, like, yeah, I mean, I don't understand a lot of deep theological things, but I know what love is, and and we all should love one another, and there isn't enough love around Well, remember Brother Chris's fellowship that what John is talking about is not natural human love, the love that we have in virtue of the fact we were created in God's image and have a human life. Simply put, we're talking about a love which is God himself, Uh, John says, love is of God. That points to the source. But then he says, and he says it twice, God is love. Notice he doesn't say, love is God. He says, God is love. So love, in 1 John, is intrinsically related to, to God in his essence, nature, and being. So this is the kind of love, the love which is of God and the love which is God because God is love. That's what we're talking about. And that's what makes this so sweet and so pleasant. But in order to really experience this, we need to discern between love and love and love, by which I mean we need to discern between the natural human love, which is devoid of God, and the love infused into us 
by the triune God, the love which is God himself. It's an immense difference. How immense? The difference between life and death. Whatever is in our natural life eventually will result in death. Even our love, or especially our love. But what is of God is of eternal life. It is incorruptible, indestructible. It is resurrection life. And the love of God is intrinsically related to the life of God. So God is love. God is life. When we have him as life, we have him as love. When we have him as love, we have him as life. The crucial thing is to have him, Mm. in particular, to have him, God, the triune God, as that special love which is of God and which actually is him. Beloved, let us love one another, John says in chapter 4, verse 7, because love is of God, and everyone who loves has been begotten of God and knows God. And I want to draw particular attention to this last short phrase, and knows God. That'll be a topic that we hear about in the section just ahead. Let's join Winnis Lee. Chapter 4, verse 7 is a continuation to chapter 3, verse 24. Actually, the first six verses of this chapter is in parenthesis. Beloved, let us love one another. This brings us back to the preceding sections on loving the brothers. Because love is out of God. This tells you that when you love the brothers, your love must be out of God. Your love toward the brother should be nothing out of yourself. And everyone who loves, that means love the brothers, has been begotten of God. This reminds us of the divine birth. The divine birth is always the base of our Christian life. And knows God. This little word knows implies enjoyment and experience. You can never know God without experience, without enjoying Him. This is not the knowing in an objective way, but the experiential knowing. We know Him because we have experienced Him and we are enjoying Him. Verse 8, He who does not love has not known God, has not experienced God, has never enjoyed God, because God is love. If you have ever enjoyed God, who is love, surely love will come out of you. Verse 9, in this, the love of God was manifested to us. No doubt this refers to the incarnation. The love of God was manifest to us that God has sent his Son, the only begotten, into the world that we may live through him. Here, God sending his Son has an intention, a goal. That is, we may 
live through him. This implies to have life. If we don't have life in him, how could we live through him? To live through the Son implies that we have received him as our life. So God sent his Son and we receive his Son as life. Then we live through him. Ron, I'd like to come back to the point he seemed to be centered on initially. And that is the connection between our knowing and experiencing God and our apprehension of the divine love. It seems like Christians spend a lot of time seeking to be loving and expressing love, but may neglect this other portion. And it's always a a disappointment, isn't it, when we try it that way? Uh, It is, and it should be a disappointment because it's something of ourselves. It's not something of the Lord. Let's look at 4.7. Again, John exhorts us to love one another. That's not where the verse ends. If it ended there, it really would be little more, actually nothing more, than an ethical admonition, something preachers are prone to do on a weekly basis, Love, why don't you love, please love, love one another. John goes on to say, love is of God. This love has its source in God. But what's particularly vital for our fellowship in this segment is John's word to the effect that everyone who loves has been begotten of God, and knows God. Uh, Notice John inserts, has been begotten of God. Yeah. This refers explicitly and clearly to the divine birth, that is to our regeneration. We actually have been begotten, born of God. He is actually our Father. Because we have been begotten of God, we have the life of God. That's what happens when you're begotten. You have the life from your origin, your source. So now we need to connect this begetting by God, which brings in the divine life, with loving. Everyone who loves is someone who has been begotten of God and thus possesses the life of God, this indicates that the life of God is the basis, the foundation in our being for our loving. We can love because we have been begotten of God and now have the life of God. The love of God and the life of God are, of course, one reality in God's being. Mm. In our experience of the Lord, everything depends on life. All the attributes, all the virtues are in God's life. We have a hymn to that effect in our hymnal, hymn 602. The hymn says, In this life are all his riches. So we have been begotten of God We have the life of God with the riches of God, including love. Now we are able to love. Furthermore, 
We know God, and in this context, knowing God is an experiential matter. It's a matter related to our experience and enjoyment of the Lord as life and as love. This is not a doctrinal knowing. That is about God. It's not a theological knowledge concerning God. It is knowing God directly and personally through our experience of him as life, the life which contains his love. So now when we see that to love one another is predicated upon realizing that love has its source in God, that we have been begotten of God to have the life of God as the base for the love of God, and also on the fact that we know God experientially by means of his life. The life of God operating in us has the function of knowing God. A lot of truth and a wealth of experience are packed into these simple words, let us love one another because love is of God and everyone who loves has been begotten of God and knows God. Wonderful. Wonderful. Ron, this whole segment, chapter 4, we're kind of marching through today from verse 7 through verse 15, uh, where love is an emphasis. But as you just pointed out in your speaking, and as we're hearing, I think, again and again from Witness Lee today, the context links these two things, the matter of the experience of the divine life and the expression of God as love out of the living of the believer. This is uh, the whole context. It's not just, as you said, an admonition to love, but it's altogether entwined with this matter of the divine life operating in us, producing the divine love as an outflow. And I think uh, when we go into this next portion, we'll see it very clearly. Verses 9 and 10, I think, really underscore this. In this, the love of God was manifested among us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might have life and live through him. Herein is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a propitiation for our sins. This is a marvelous point just ahead. Here's Witness Lee again. In verse 9, it says, God sent his Son that we may live through him. In verse 10, it says, God sent his Son a propitiation concerning our sins. Here you could see, Sending his son that we may have life is number one. Sending his son a propitiation for our sins is number two. This is not the goal. Sending his son a propitiation for our sins is not the goal, but a procedure that we may live through him. To have life and live through the son is the final thing. This is the goal. Well, no one has ever beheld God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And this means what? This means no one has ever seen God, has ever beheld God, but if we love one another with God as love, then we will manifest God. God is manifested in our loving one another, then people can see God in our loving one another with himself as the love. 
then his love is perfected in us. The love of God is perfected already in God himself, but it needs to be perfected in us. And this means the love of God should become our experience. The love of God needs to be perfected in us through our enjoyment of this love. Verse 13, in this we know that we abide in him and he in us that he has given us of his spirit. We should never teach loving the brothers with our own love far away from God. No. God abides in us and we abide in him. There is a kind of coherence, a kind of mingling, a kind of a organic union. He is in us, not only in us, but abides in us, dwells in us, and we abide in him. This is a kind of what? Mingling. Organic union that he becomes us and we become him. So whatever he is, I'll call his love, it becomes whatever we are. Ron, verse 9 says that God sent his son that we might have life and live through him. Verse 10 says that God sent his son that we might have propitiation concerning sins. One procedural, one the goal. And the ultimate outcome is this marvelous organic union. The sequence is important, isn't it? The sequence is important and uh, the goal or the issue is marvelous. First and basic problem as fallen human beings is sin and sins. This places us under God's righteous judgment and in a situation requiring propitiation and action to make the offended party happy. So in his love, God sent his only begotten son as a propitiation for our sins. So this deals with the problem of sin and sins. But it deals with it as a procedure which is judicial Mm. according to the law of God. But we have another problem that's the issue of the former, and that is death. And death, by its very nature, is opposed to life. So, We see that God sent his only begotten son that we may have life and live through him. The son we know from 1 John 5, 11 and 12 is the embodiment of the divine life, the expression of the divine life. God sent his son into the world that by believing into him and receiving him into us, we would be born of God and have Life, and this is the eternal life. So, based upon the propitiation, we now have the divine birth, which brings in the divine life. In this divine life, we have what we call an organic union with God, a union in life. We are in Him, and He is in us. So, verse 13 says, In this we know. This is an experiential knowing again, that he abides in us and we abide in him. This is mutual indwelling. 
And the particular term we use to describe this is co-inhering. We dwell in God. God dwells in us. This also points to mingling, in which God and man are mingled together without producing something which is a third thing in between. The point is that there's a union with mingling and co-inhering, and then experientially, God becomes us, and we become him. God becomes us by becoming the constitution of our being, and we become God, of course, not in the sense of the Godhead. We would never teach such a blasphemous, heretical notion, but we become him in the sense of being the same as he is in life and nature. And the nature includes the love. So God is love. He is wrought into us. He abides in us. He works himself into us to make himself us. And then we abide in him and we become him. This is a deep union in life and in nature that does not jeopardize the Godhead. Now, because we are the same as God in nature, and God, the essence of God's nature is love, we are love in constitution. Because we are love, we love. And this love is the expression of God, and hence is the manifestation of God as love. Isn't this good news? This is the good news. I'd like to close on that point. If we jump to verse 15, John says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, let me stop here, because I think our common thought, or the most uh, frequently heard conclusion to that sentence in the context of presenting Christ, presenting the gospel, the normal logical conclusion would be whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God is forgiven of their sins. And though we celebrate this, and we praise the Lord for this, John completes it this way. Whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. This could have the effect of revolutionizing even our gospel preaching, couldn't it, Ron? It can, and we hope it will. Well, um, God is love, and the expression of that love is the expression of God himself. I think we have uh, had a good fellowship today to more clearly draw the distinction between the kind of love that the Bible presents and the kind of love that is just mere human sentiment and which always falls short. The distinction is, I think, even sharper now, isn't it, Ron? Much sharper. A further comment on verse 15, we end up abiding in God. And God is love, and love is of God. And the God who is the source of love, the God who is love, abides in us. This is the key, based upon propitiation to deal with sins, and based upon the divine birth, which swallows death and brings in the divine life. We have an organic union with the Lord. Now in this union, we abide in him. He is love. He who is love abides in us because of this marvelous spiritual reality we love. John, knowing this, 
based his appeal to love, not on ethics, not on self-effort, not on striving to improve. He based it all on the vision, mm. on the experience, on his knowing that by confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in us and we abide in God. Because of this, it's so normal for believers to love one another with a love which is God himself. Well, we are out of time. A big topic, God is love and how that is expressed and apprehended and manifested in the believers. If you'd like to get the printed life study messages for 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude, it's a two-volume set, contact us, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. You can now enjoy titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Visit lsm.org epublications to find all that Living Stream has available. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and EPUB formats, which means you can enjoy this ministry on all kinds of PC and Mac devices. Many of our publications are also available on Amazon.com and at iTunes. But to see everything we have to offer, visit our website at lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.